Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Rob Younce, and thank you for tuning back into the Canecast Show. If today's your first episode, you're in for a treat. If you've been with us before, well, we really appreciate you coming back. Either way, in today's guest, you will hear from an MLB all-star. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask a favor of you. We really need your help in growing the show. How can you do that? Well, first, give us a like. Smash the like button. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast host, smash that like button. Or you can drop us a comment to let us know what you think about the show. Tell us what you like and what you don't like. You can help us grow the community by subscribing. That lets others know that this show is legit. Four, you could show us some love with a review. Put it in your own words. Five, share it. Send this to your friends and enemies who are missing baseball right now. We know there's a lot of people like that. And wouldn't it pay off just to be nice? Today we're talking to an MLB All-Star who was always told he was too small when he was in high school, which made him work harder. He was overlooked during the recruiting process for his entire career with the Canes, which made him work even harder. He finally earned a scholarship his senior year and worked even harder. He turned himself into an absolute dude. He's an MLB All-Star and was a frontrunner for the AL Rookie of the Year last year until an injury shut him down. Of course, we are talking about Tampa Rays' second baseman, Brandon Lau. Listen to B. Lau talk about his motivation and the hard work it takes to become a Major League Baseball player. So buckle up and be ready to hit that 3-1 fastball into the upper deck, just like Brandon. Everybody, Rob Younce here with KingCast. Um, today we have a very, very special guest. I've known this guy since he was really, really small. Like I think I started coaching him when he was 12. Um, he went through the Canes organization. He is a Canes alum, a graduate of Nansman River, went to University of Maryland, and now he is a second baseman for the, oh, goodness, for the Tampa Rays. Um, Brandon Lau, how are you, buddy? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I've known you for a long time. Um, known your family for a long time. So why don't you bring everybody up to speed, kind of, I guess, how your baseball journey's going so far, I guess, take it all the way back to Nansman River and maybe even before that and bring everybody up to uh, to where you are now. Man, it's uh, it's been a long one for sure. Um, dealt with a lot of naysayers, I'd have to say, uh, especially, you know, when I was younger and trying to get into college and stuff like that I had always been told I was too small too slow and you know getting into my sophomore year of high school any pro scout I'd ever seen said I was too small and I wouldn't play pro ball so yeah I had uh, a lot to deal with through that kind of perspective but you know I had everything that I needed growing up you know I had access to facilities and stuff like that and I don't think I'd ever spent you know, more than a couple hours inside. You know, I always wanted to be outside playing baseball or playing football and stuff like that. And I think that really helped me develop a good, you know, hand-eye coordination and stuff like that to help me become a better ball player. But what really took me to the next level was getting to Maryland and getting in that structured program of, you know, weightlifting and then meeting with a dietitian to tell me what I needed to do to gain weight and, build muscle and stuff like that and 
man, in a span of four years from my freshman year of college to my first year of being out of uh, being in pro ball, I think I gained probably 35 pounds. And I think that was a huge key for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember, you know, I, I just remember you always being able to hit, man. You, you were always the hardest worker on the field. Um, you always had a great swing. And I think that, you know, that goes back to having two coaches. I mean, as far as your work ethic goes, two coaches for parents and, a, and an older sister that was pretty darn good at whatever she, she put, her, put her mind to. Um, you know, talk about your family's influence on your game so far and, uh, and, and what they mean to you. I mean, they're everything. I talk to them daily, just, you know, staying in touch with them. We're all over the country at the moment. Um, my sister actually just took a new job as a head coach at RPI, which is phenomenal. I mean, she's one of the youngest coaches to be a head coach right now, which is absolutely incredible. But, I mean, growing up, I always had – my sister was bigger, faster, and, you know, I couldn't lose to my sister in anything. So I always wanted to be better, and I was competitive. And then my dad being an athlete, my mom was an athlete, and anything we did, it's not like my, – my mom and my dad didn't roll over and, you know, be nice to me when I was little, you know, playing video games or board games or whatever it may be. You know, they were there to win. And, you know, it really – took root with me is now I'm the same way as there. I'm uber competitive. You know, I want to do everything the best that I can against the best people at, in that, you know, in that field. And, you know, everything is kind of credited to them, you know, the way they brought me up and the way they've done everything. I couldn't be more thankful for what they've done. Yeah. And, you know, the older, older you get, and I, and I know everybody tells you this, but the more you remind me of your dad and your demeanor and in the way you handle things. And that's a truly a compliment because I think he's a, you know, I, I still talk to him today. I think he's a great coach. Um, he does a great job over there at Danson River with uh, Coach Stufel. And, you know, it, it's, I, I see a lot of the way that you handle things. You know, you have a both their personalities, but I see you really kind of, I, every now and then I see on the field and I was like, wow, that, that kind of looks like, that kind of looks like Tom. Um, but tell me about your high school experience. I know, you know, we'll get to the adversity and, and you know, people writing off, but, you know, tell me a little bit about your team there at Handsome River and, and what you learned in those four years. Man, it was – I'd even go back a little farther, you know. Thankfully, the way the school ran things, stuff like that, you know, you could have managers or people to help out, you know, in seventh grade. And so I was able to be around the the varsity team and kind of help out, you know, with – equipment gear and stuff like that and you know just be around that competitive nature see how those guys worked that were three four or five years older than me and you know take BP with them you know something like that just to you know be around them and as I was going through you know I really believe that you know I came through Nansen River at the best possible time you know for for my sake you know we had before I was with the Canes, we were the Suffolk Warriors. And that whole group of guys, you know, I think we brought in six, seven, eight guys yeah. from that from that team that were all in the same grade. You know, we came up in eighth grade. We were all on junior varsity. And in ninth grade, most of us made varsity. In tenth grade, everybody was back on varsity. And, you know, it was just great to be a part of, you know, that team in general and, you know, being able to play with guys for as long as I did. Yeah, you guys were really close and, you know, got together, you know, got got along well, but you also played really well together. I mean, very talented guys. 
Um, you know, a couple guys went on to play in college and, and do some really cool things. Um, you know, with your dad being out there, are there any times, you know, we have, so just so you know, you know, the way we are now with the Canes is we still have our, our showcase teams and things like that, but we also have some youth teams. So there's a lot of, you know, probably at the youth level, there's more of kids that have, you know, maybe their dad's one of the coaches or something like that, where they're, how did you navigate that with your dad? Because I know he had a, you know, he was a, you know, he knows his stuff. But you right. know, every now and then he's your dad and you don't want to listen to him. I mean, how did you navigate that? I think uh, he kind of navigated it for me. You know, he was – I think he handled it in the best possible way where he, you know, was coached loud when you need to be coached loud. And other than that, he made Stufel. Like, I feel like Stufel yelled at me the most. And, <laughs> you know, when my dad did yell at me, I was like, oh, you know, I really did something wrong. You're like, right. he wouldn't have been yelling at me. So – I think uh, in between the lines and, you know, in, in the in, uh, more inside that fence, you know, it's not – you can't look – I never – I don't know that I looked at him as dad. You know, he was a coach. He was that authority figure. He knew more than me, and, you know, I needed to listen to what he had to say. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking back on it, you did a really good job of that. I mean, I know he handled it well, but for you um, – if people didn't know you two were related, you really couldn't tell. There wasn't favoritism. There wasn't any kind of sniping back and forth. Whenever he told you something, you know, you handled it really well. So you you brought that up. You you, you made it through with your Suffolk Warriors team, and you, you get to high school, and, you know, then we kind of jumped together as the Canes. You know, talk a little bit about your experience there, um, you know, during the summers and falls with, with the Canes. I mean, that was probably some of some of the best baseball, if not the best baseball that I could have been a part of at that time. You know, it was looking up and down that lineup was absurd to, you know, look at the guys that were committed to places, the guys that were uncommitted at the times. I mean, it was where you wanted to be, especially, you know, as somebody that wanted to be around the best competition available. And the coaching staff that we had with, you know, Petties and everybody else that we had were, you know, it, it kind of took it to that next level, you know, that your high school coaches had this, and then you kind of had every coach that you had on the summer ball level kind of added on to it. And every coach that we had with the Canes, you know, they weren't, they didn't look at you and say, well, your high school coach knows nothing. You know, it was like, we kind of just built upon what your high school coaches taught you. And, you know, you kind of go back and forth with what you learned there and what you were learning with the Canes. And they were very, you know, I'm trying to think of the right word here. You know, they're very understanding is kind of a, a poor choice of words. But, you know, they, they knew how to take what they were teaching and what they wanted to teach and kind of mold it all together and yeah. made you a much better ball player. Yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's really accurate, and you know, it was I've always been impressed with the way that all of our coaches inside the organization it's really meant to supplement and to add to a player's experience and to add to their um, you know another tool to their toolbox to give them a little bit more. It's never been at least when I've been a part of it, it's never been high school coach versus travel coach. It's always been yeah. hey, how can we help this player get better? Mm -hmm. and, and you've always, you know, you've always stood out, um, at least in my eyes. I mean, I know, you know, we we talk about, you know, some of the adversity that, that you faced. You know, I think um, 
what sticks out to me most was when Coach Vaughn came to me. And I think I might have told you this before. We were sitting in Jupiter, and he, he, we're sitting in, in golf carts together. And he looks at me and goes, all right, Rob, you got to tell me, why is nobody recruiting this guy? Because you had just blistered a ball and <laughs> blistered a ball into the wind, and you were just hitting everything off, uh, hitting everything hard. And I looked at him, and I said, Coach, I don't know. And he goes, he's our type of guy. And I, I'd like to, you know, I was looking and doing a little bit of preparation because I didn't remember. I know you went to a couple of um, PG events and or at least one one showcase. And this always makes me laugh. And I'm sure it's a bit of uh, motivation for you. But do you remember your PG ranking? Man, they did not did they like you? me. They did not like me at all. Remember what your what your rating was? I, I couldn't even tell you. What it was it a seven point five. All I all I remember is I think that the equivalent to what I got was like high D three player or something like that. And I remember reading that and like shoving myself away from the computer and being so frustrated that that's what came out. You know, the, the interesting part of that is the way that you you've tunneled that the way that you've, you've harnessed that, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that could take it and kind of take it in a negative direction. You've always been the type of guy that just puts it in your back pocket says, okay, I'm going to show you. And mm -hmm. you, so you did that. You got, you know, that, that conversation with coach Vaughn ended up turning into a, a, a spot at, at, at university of Maryland. And, you know, I, I remember checking up on you and I gave him a call, um, you know, right guess probably about a month before the season and just talk, checked up in the fall you know, he's like man this guy's so good he's incredible and then check up with him right before the season he's like Rob this guy's so good that you know we got to hit him in either the one or the two hole to make sure he gets enough at bats so you know talk about that when you stepped onto campus um at the University of Maryland you know as a guy you went from somebody that was overlooked to now we've got to find a way to give him more. I know you you, you put yeah. in the work, but you know how was it when you walked on the campus when you set foot on the campus? So it was actually pretty weird because um, I was actually recruited by Backage, Eric Backage at the time, and that summer before we came in, the whole coaching staff changed. You know, Chef came in as the head coach, Vaughn came in, and Bellinger. And those were our three coaches, and we had never met them. We known, we didn't know what their game plan was, anything like that. And I remember going in right after, God, I want to say it was the Arizona tournament that we played uh, mm -hmm. with the Canes. And I remember getting hit in the hand and going in on campus and going, I have to start hitting to earn a spot, and my hand still hurts. So safe to say that I'm pretty sure I might have had one of the worst falls of all time in collegiate, you know, history. I, I don't, I'm not even sure I got a hit. But, you know, I did whatever I could in the weight room, you know, got stronger, did everything I needed. Winter break was a godsend, I feel like. And then, you know, we came back in January and I was healthy. I felt great. I was hitting everything everywhere. And, you know, it finally got to a point where I thought I was making a really good impression. And then, sure enough, two days before the season starts, I'd go and I'd tear my ACL. And got a call the next day 
after I went in and got MRIs and stuff like that. And it was chef telling me that I was going to start Friday night against LSU and just broke a 18 year old kid that had just learned that he was going to be a starter. Right. As a freshman, as a true freshman walking in there and also having just a bad fall. Um, So again, another setback, you know, you, you, um, you know, you, you found out that you were going to be the, the, the guy. And um, how, how did rehab go, man? How did that go? I mean, that was unexpected, you know. You're all of a sudden just out of the blue. What you, I think you caught a cleat or something like that. And, and yeah. Was, so I actually still joke with Chef about this today. And he actually brings it up all the time is we're inter-squatting right before our last, you know, in our last practice of the year before the season started. And, we, you know, pitcher gets the last out of the game. We're about to, you know, take it in. And chef runs out and goes, hold on, hold on, guys. You want to do one more? One more at bat. And kid gets up, ground ball at the middle, tips off the pitcher. I try to cut back and blow out my knee. And, you know, terrible thing to happen, but, you know, freak accident. And nothing you could have done to prevent it. I mean, it's – right. I mean, come on, you know, yeah. looking back on it, who knows? You know, maybe I might have sucked that freshman year and yeah, could have ruined everything for me. So, yeah. um, rehab was, I mean, it was seven months of doing stuff every single day and you know, doing anything to get better. And I remember they had put me, they gave me this machine to help me bend my leg. Because, you know, when they do the surgery, they put you in a straight brace. You're not allowed to move anything for, God, I don't even know how long it was. Probably a month, you're not allowed to move your leg or something like that. And once they got it, you know, they knew that the ligament had set. You know, it was time to start moving your leg, start to try to get your range of motion. And I remember clear as day, I'm sitting in a training room with, you know, three other football guys that had just had, they're six months out on their ACLs and stuff like that. And. My, our trainer looks at me and goes, Brandon, if you can't get your legs straight, I'm going to sit you in between these two tables. Your heel's going to be on that table, and your butt's going to be on this table. And I'm going to sit on your knee until it's straight. Oh. It terrified me. Yeah. I was like, that's all I need to know? And I maxed out the machine in four days. I learned how to sleep in it. I was making sure that I, that guy was not going to sit on my knee. Turns out he wouldn't actually sit on my knee, but – that was that was motivation enough, right? Yeah, it was effective. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it was a very smooth rehab, and you know, thankfully with everyone that we had in Maryland, I was able to. I was playing again in seven months. Yeah, yeah. So any swings while you're in rehab? I mean, I know you can't use your lower half, but if I know you, uh, you were doing something at least uh, doing a lot more than than what you were capable of or should have yeah, been, should have uh, been, uh, should have been diagnosed as or, or, or pre- uh, prescribed, let's say. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I think I came up to my trainers about four or five months in and just told – I was like, I can't not do anything anymore. Like, can I do something? And they're just – you can't turn on it. You can't do anything. So if you can think of something that you can do, sure. So I sat on a bucket with my leg out straight, and just hit balls off the tee. Now, that's all I was trying to do is just, it was baseball activity again, and that's all I wanted to do. 
Yeah, uh, I'm sure. So you, you you had a pretty good year that following year, huh, at Maryland? <laughs> yeah, not bad. A little, little bit? Tell a little yeah. bit. I'm, I know, so I know you're not a bragger. I know you're not somebody who's going to talk about yourself. I can just see your body language when you when I make you do it. But tell everybody kind of how it went at Maryland from there. Yeah, it was uh, freshman All-American and third team All-ACC that year. And I think I hit one home run. You know, uh, opening weekend in Florida, I was healthy. And, you know, I hit the home run in, like, the bottom of the eighth or something like that, yeah. or top of the eighth. And, top of the eighth, yep. Um, I think the next weekend or two weekends prior, I tried to steal second base and slid in and messed up my thumb. I jammed my thumb into the base, tore the ligament, chipped the bone, and was, you know, distraught. You know, I thought the year before it was bad, but I made it through a seven-month rehab. I was finally healthy. I was doing well, and all of a sudden this happened, and I was in shambles, sitting in our student union with my mom before I went and got another MRI in my hand. And oddly enough, you know, this guy came up. You know, this one of the things that sticks out, you know, anytime anybody ever talks about, you know, people being good people or religion or anything like that. And, you know, this guy came up out of nowhere. It was just walking through our stamp. It's our student union, which is – 14 restaurants there's hundreds of hundreds of kids in there at all times and you know this guy came up to me and my mom and so like, you guys look really sad you know would you mind if I prayed for you guys and at the time I'm you know 19 18 year old kid you know I'm you know praying's not going to do anything for me this is going through my head at the time and you know my mom's like you know what yes please like please you know anything that you can do for us would be great. And the guy puts his hand over my thumb and starts praying to, you know, praise that everything's going to be okay, that, you know, I'll be fine, you know, not need surgery or anything like that. And at the time I'm, I'm going to need to, I'm, I'm, I'm getting surgery. You know, it's, it's not a question. Like I've seen the injury before and we get into the doctor's office and the doctor MRIs me and comes back in with this kind of puzzled look on his face and goes, well, you don't need surgery. You know, somehow the way that you broke the bone and frayed your ligament all at the same time, the bone chipped up and caught the ligament. Wow. So the ligament's wow. still attached to your bone, and when your bone heals, it's going to pull the ligament back down. So you're really not going to need surgery. All you got to do is tape it up and, you know, make sure you don't bend it again. And I ended up playing through, through the rest of the year, you know, hit 330 or something like that, and you know, haven't really looked back since and always think of that time. Always think that day comes up all the time in my thought. Just, okay. you know, sitting at home thinking about stuff. That's good. That's very good. Yeah, that. I mean, it, it takes a lot for an 18, 19-year-old kid who just had that accident to, to have that perspective of, of oh, wow, yeah, this is going to help. And, and the neat thing is, is as you've matured and as you've, you know, you've gone through a little bit more of your life, you do have that perspective now and you do see how blessed you are to, to, for that to have happened to you. And absolutely. And knowing you, I, I know you, you know, you, you pass on, um, 
blessings and 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 pray for people all the time and, and i know that's the type of kid you are i keep calling you a kid you're not a kid anymore um yeah so yeah you had a little bit of success at maryland we'll say um and and you've flown through you know you flew through the uh, the organization there tell me a little bit about pro ball i mean was it when you you step into that first clubhouse is it kind of the same feeling as when you were the freshman at maryland i don't not at all i think i stepped in that first you know i stepped into the locker room that first time and in the minor leagues it was like all right this kid's here to take my job and you know once you get to your affiliates and stuff like that you start to bond and you know you're friends with everybody but it was weird the first time that you get in there and cuts are made and all of a sudden you know these you're looking up and you're like that guy was drafted with me and he got cut in his first spring training that's so weird to think about right. and all this stuff kind of goes on and then you know, I get to our affiliate and looking around me, I'm like, God, I'm the smallest kid here. All these guys are hitting home runs. What else is new? Yeah, but, uh, you know, just lost my perspective of who I was as a ball player for that low A year. And then, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, who I was with, you know, Hunter Bledsoe being the agent that I was able to, you know, kind of fell into his lap almost, you know, I wasn't, I didn't think that I was going to go anywhere near, you know, the first three rounds of the draft. You know, I never thought it was going to be there. And then all of a sudden one day we got a phone call from the scout that was like, Hey, would you go in rounds one through three? And I was like, I'd go in any round. (laughs) Hold on, please. (laughs) So I called my dad and my dad was like, we have no idea what we're in and what what to think either so you know we started looking around for different agents and I think we met with six agents in a week or something like that and uh could not have made a better choice and gone with the Bledsoe group and you know they've done nothing but I mean dang your family at this point and you know he tried to help me with some things I was hard-headed and you know got to a point where you know I think I was hitting 200 at one point in the season and I was like something's not right thankfully you know I ended up ended the year my first year in 248 I think was the number and you know that that seems to be the number that always sticks with me is well you sucked that year it's time to figure it out and uh that's when I kind of I went back to Nashville with you know my tail in between my legs and was like you know what you know more than me Hunter teach me you know what I need to do I'm all ears, and, you know, it's been pretty pretty fun baseball since. Yeah, yeah, you've uh, you've actually, each stop after that, <clears throat> you really hit the ball. Um, what was your favorite stop on your way to the big leagues? What was, what was one of the, I guess, a couple of the big, bigger memories that you've had? I always, I go back to, you know, kind of the experience I've had going to each place. You know, I went to, you know, Port Charlotte in high A and leading off uh, the year, I was the nine-hole hitter. And, you know, halfway through the year, I'm hitting 315 with nine home runs. I'm hitting four-hole and, you know, just kind of a crazy transition there. And then getting called up to double A and 
having a God, 10 hour drive to Montgomery from Port Charlotte and being about eight hours into the drive and, you know, one of our buddies calling us and going, Hey, where are you guys? And we're like about an hour and a half, two hours out. And he goes, okay, you guys are starting tonight, by the way. <laughs> and um, I got called up with Brett Sullivan, who is uh, a catcher at the time. And we show up in 30 minutes before the game. <laughs> the club, he throows us a uniform. And, throws and, tells us drive. and yeah, that was our first experience there, which always sticks with me. Cause you know, we're on the phone back and forth. Like it, we can't stop. Like you have to go, like go faster. And there's not really any highways from about uh, the panhandle of Florida to Montgomery. You know, yeah. it's not much highway. It's a little two lane roads. Right. Uh, we're stuck behind dump trucks and stuff like that. Like we got to get around these guys and doing anything that we could to get to this game on time. Um, and then getting to Durham, I get in, you know, they're like, hey, we'll give you a, a hotel for three days. Right. And you got to find a place to live. And I'm calling everyone. Do you guys have an empty room? Can I live with you guys? Everyone's, everyone's full or, you know, the guys that got called up are paying an absurd amount for a hotel room because, you know, they have big league time. So, you yeah. know, that's not an absurd amount to them. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Where I'm uh, – my mom comes down to help me search for apartments. Right. I go play the game. She's out in Durham driving around to all these different apartments trying to find a place for me to live. End up finding a two-bedroom apartment. And the only thing I have is a mattress pad and a table from the field that our clubby was going to throw away. So I was like, no, don't throw that thing. Don't throw it away. I'll throw it in the back of my truck. It's going to be my breakfast table. So I'm sleeping on a two-inch mattress pad, and I'm eating off this table that's five inches off the ground. So I'm sitting on the ground eating a bowl of cereal in this apartment complex in AAA Durham, and that that's one of the things that always, you know, that screened minor leagues to me, and it was weird that it happened at the highest level of minor leagues. Right. I, I would not, I would have expected low A or something like that, yeah, yeah, Port Charlotte or something like that, yeah. <laughs> so you didn't spend much time in, uh, in in too much time in the minor leagues, and tell us about a little bit about your debut. Which what was the date? August fifth, I think, was is the the day that I played. I think I got called up on the fourth, and uh, I was nervous at every level that I got called up to, and it only amplified when I got there. Yeah, uh, made my debut as a left fielder. Which, going into spring training that year, as I'm driving down from Tennessee, our one of our you know, front office or head people call us, call me and go, "Oh, hey, do you have an outfield glove?" It's like, "No." It's, oh, you might want to get one, by the way, because we're going to start trying in the outfield. I'm like, well, I've never played the outfield, and they're like, "Yeah, we know. We're just going to you know try you out there and kind of see how you adapt to it out there." I'm like, "Okay." So I call. Uh, Hunter, I'm a Hunter. I need an outfield glove tomorrow. I don't care if you have to go to Dick's, you know, sporting goods to get it. And sure enough, next couple of days, I had an outfield glove in my locker, and I think I played half of my games out there in the minor league. I think it was 50 and 50. 
between you know left field and second base and so I get the debut out there and standing next to uh Kiermaier and he kind of comes up to me and he's like hey man just want to let you know that if I call it don't go near the ball I was like fine <laughs> no problem I don't want it. <laughs> you know if, if it's in le- if it's in left field come over and take it like I'm fine I don't, yeah. I don't want to put out like come over and take the ball and you know thankfully I don't I don't oh no I did have one hit to me yeah, yeah. I had a ground ball hit and I had a play at the plate yep. so me being a competitor I'm like I'm gonna throw this guy out of the plate this isn't gonna happen to me not knowing how different the major league ball is from the minor league ball I get it in my hand and promptly sail it 40 feet you know the other direction to what I wanted to throw and I looked down at my hand and I was like I cannot believe I just did that I get into the dugout and our outfield guy comes up and he goes hey man you gotta hit the cut right there I was just like I I know I didn't want to throw it like that and no, other than that, the debut is pretty uneventful. But thanks, thankful I had you know had Madison there. I had my parents, my grandparents, and my uncle. Everyone was there, and you know it was great to have them there for that debut. All right. So speaking of Madison, um, do you remember? It was a text I sent you asking because uh, not everybody knows she played she played softball in Maryland. And you remember, I sent you a text and asked you if Madison could hit the ball harder than you or hit the ball farther than you. And I, I think I still have it in my phone because your answer was total, was totally you. No, did your daughter hit the ball farther than you? <laughs> so competitive oh, right back at you. I loved it. I thought it was great. So I saw her, I saw her on your social media, her dotting you up on some balls. She didn't yeah. like getting the ball back at her. What's going on there? No, it's, you know, that's what we're at. We're at, at, at the point in, uh, baseball right now is we can't go to the field you know we have no coaches or anything to throw BP and you know I can only hit off a tee for so long without you know seeing some kind of pitch getting thrown so you know we've had these anywhere balls that are really squishy can't hurt anything or anything like that and if you grip them too tight they'll move like crazy right so she gripped a little too hard on the middle finger or something like that and threw an absolute Mariano Rivera cutter on me and threw it off my – it hit me in, like, the forearm. And I thought it was going to be, like, fastball down the middle. And, right. no, it's it's just uh, – it's great to have her to be able to do that kind of stuff with me because, you know, these other people that are just hitting off the tee and stuff like that yeah. where it's nice that I can go up to my wife and be like, hey, throw me BP. Yeah, yeah, and and then she goes out and wins. I think the the, the MVP of the the wives game, uh, yeah. The softball game. Yeah, and um, not even. I don't know that she got out once. <laughs> I had to let my dog back in. Ah, uh, that's good, man. Um, so you've been overlooked, really, up until you know. I, I saw him last year. You hit a jack last year. And upper deck early in the season. I mean, you had an awesome, you know, you had an awesome season brewing last year. Um, you know, the power has come. You know, I mean, you're heck, you're a power hitter now, just about. I mean, you've gotten bigger, stronger, and you hit a ball in the upper deck 
And I don't know if you saw the teammates' reaction, but I think it was Kiermaier turned to somebody else and said, how does he do that? Like, that power, man, has just come. I mean, is that just from, you know, nutrition and working out and stuff like that? Or is there anything you're doing different there? I mean, it's – and I, I've told many people this, that the swing that you see now is – leaps and bounds different than what I was in college, what I was in high school, everything like that. And that all goes back to Hunter, Hunter Bledsoe and everything that he kind of teaches and stuff like that. Cause it's, he's a wizard. You know, he's, he knows so much about hitting that it's almost an overload of information at times. So right. in my first year I come in and I just hit 330 in the big 10, you know, I'd, was first team all Big Ten. You know, I was, I was, I knew how to hit. And he comes up to me and says, "No, I want you to do this." And I'm not. Why would I? Why would I change anything? I don't need to do that. So we butted heads for quite, now well, probably a month. You know, back and forth. I want you to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. Finally, you know, broke me down a little bit. Where you know, I tried to do some movement stuff and you know, kind of did it my own way and didn't really do it the real way to do it. And that's when uh, I hit 240 in low A, you know. I go back the next, the following off season and really commit to it all. And, you know, the main thing that I think about, you know, when I tell people where all this power and stuff comes from, it's efficiency in the body, movement, and stuff like that, and storing energy properly. And then, you know, having intent to do damage on the baseball. You know, it's – I think you remember as I, I never wanted to strike out when I was little. So, yeah. you know, I would – I'd break down my swing to put a ball in play, and you know, with no with no strikes or one strike on me. Now it's – you know, if you swing and miss on, on one pitch, you so what? Now I can do damage on two other pitches. And, you know, right. and it was, it was a big adjustment. It doesn't look – terribly different than what I was, but everything, you know, that I'm focused on mentally, physically, and all that kind of stuff is just, it would be hours of me talking. <laughs> right. right. No, and I, and I agree. I can see some, you know, some big differences in your swing, and, and I, you can tell, you know, the approach is somewhat still the same. I'm sure there's mental cues and things that you deal with, as you were saying. Um, I mean, not to get too deep into it, but I saw, uh, I think, on the one where um, where you were hitting last on Twitter, your hands looked to be like you were starting a little lower. Is that is that by design or uh, is that something so, you're working on? Um, my hands have always been, you know, since I got into pro ball, they've been low. Mm -hmm. You know, with everything that's kind of been coming out, you know, the popular term you hear is that scap load yeah. and stuff like that. And it's along those lines that I couldn't do the scap load with my hands high. You know, I was trying to find a position where I could do it in the most efficient way and, you know, found that down around my chest was like the perfect spot for my hands to be. And, you know, it matched everything that I needed to do. And, you know, that's kind of where they kind of gravitated and where it's been since probably 2016. Yeah. Okay. So um, we have another, well, we have two connections that I wanted to get into real quick. And this is just a personal thing, but I'm sure there's some good stories around it. Um, Nathan Lowe, uh, I don't know if you know, but I played with his dad in college. Um, Didn't know that. 
and Josh, his little brother, he yeah. actually played for me on the Canes. Um, so, so Nathaniel is just like his dad. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's a fun one to be around, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then Maddie Q, uh, Matt Guerrero. Yeah. yeah. So, a um, couple neat links there. Um, Maddie's Maddie was a good one, and obviously very good at at, at what he does right now. So, uh, absolutely. You get a chance, uh, you know, maybe offline share some stories about both of those two because I'm sure it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what kind of things, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to some of our Canes players? Like, again, we have some youth guys and we have, you know, high, you know, still are high school guys. Some of them are high level, you know, national, um, you know, already scholarship in hand by, I mean, I coached 14 and under national last year. I think we got five or six kids already committed that are in that mm -hmm. grade this year. That's not you. But what kind yeah, of exactly. advice can what can what kind of advice can you give to all of the the uh, all the other guys, the guys that are still fighting for you know to be recognized, still fighting to um, to get a scholarship offer, and and you know what what can you give them? I think my biggest thing is like, don't freak out that you know you haven't been committed yet. Just because, you know, you have those – I always call them freak athletes. You know, they're just – they're so good that they've gotten – you know, they they just grew earlier than you or something like that. You know, I was small in ninth grade. I think I was – God, I just broke 100 pounds. You know, I was yeah. I was so small. I barely hit the ball out of the infield. And a big thing was, like, not freaking out because you're playing with six or seven guys that are committed to South Carolina or North Carolina or – you know, those big, huge schools because, you know, it only takes one. Right. And, you know, those, those guys that have 15, 16 offers on the table, it's – they're going to one school. You know, all that matters is that one team, that one school that takes your chance, their chance on you and, you know, not giving up. Like, just go to the yard every day, do what you got to do, do the extra work. And, you know, someone's going to notice it. Someone's going to come along and take their chance on you and, you know, don't miss that chance. Absolutely. You you epitomize hard work, Brandon. Um, you know, proud to say you're one of the guys from the 757. Um, we have a handful of guys from this area that are, you know, they're in pro ball. Um, the one piece of advice that, that, that you gave there that I think is super important and that defines you is that hard work. You know, you, you – we had to delay this because you were doing stuff. You were working and, and working in the yard and, and you're, you're not the one to sit down and, and, you know, spend your, your day or your weekend, you know, vegging out in front of a TV. You know, you're the guy that's out doing something. You're out hitting, you're getting your wife to throw you BP for goodness sakes. Um, you know, you're always working at something and that's something that I've always appreciated about you. And that's something that's going to help, turn you into a lifetime major leaguer you know you're you're not happy with that status quo you're not happy with just being okay um yeah i i i you know i think if you didn't get injured last year you probably have been rookie of the year but that's just me that's not you saying it that's me um what else you know we've got so we've got some young guys man so back like when you know, 11, 12-year-olds, what can you tell those guys, man? I mean, think back that far. That's a long time away, huh? Enjoy it. That's, yeah. that's the biggest thing, man. It's something I wish I would have known, like, 
back then is I used to get so angry when I got out and stuff like that and really just enjoyed the time. You know, you're playing a game, go out and win a couple championships, you know, have fun with your teammates, you know, enjoy where you're going. You guys are, they're going incredible places now playing tournaments all over the place. And I think that was, you know, looking back is I don't remember any of the days that I was playing, you know, all of my memories or, you know, stuff that I did with my teammates and stuff like that. And, you know, what we did on this trip or, you know, whirly ball down in world good bad, you know, just those experiences stick out now. It's like, I, I couldn't go back and tell you what I did in world good bad. I couldn't tell you what I did in, you know, the U triple SA tournaments, stuff like that. It's, the more important stuff is, you know, going out there, enjoying ourselves, having fun, having a good time and, you know, building those friendships and, you know, obviously going out and competing and, you know, because everyone wants to win and stuff like that. But, you know, winning's not the only thing. Yeah. No, that, uh, Brandon, that's, those are great pieces of, of, of advice. And I'm hoping that the parents that are listening to this really stick onto that last part, because I think the, the part that gets overlooked is, yeah, you know, certainly we want to win. You want to be on a great team, all that. But really, you're like most of the guys that make it to your level is that, you know, I just I remember having the good times. I remember having fun with my friends. Um, yeah. You know, we, we need to make sure that that part stays in baseball. Um, so I know that uh, you've got a lot going on. I appreciate your time with us. Um, I appreciate you representing us so well, not only the Canes, but 757 and you know, your parents are still here, so if you ever do anything uh, anything bad, I'm sure they'll be uh, be there to, to correct you. And if it's not your sister coming down from RPI, coming to get you. Um, but you know what, man? I, I appreciate you. You're, you're great. You know, you've always been a great kid. You've grown into a great man. And, you know, it's neat to follow you and your wife and your dog and, and follow your career. You're a very easy one to like. Um, I think after this episode, you're going to have a lot more Canes kids that know who you are and, and really appreciate you. But, um, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you very much and uh, I enjoy our friendship and I wish you nothing but the best. Um, you deserve it because you've worked for it and continue to work hard and do great things, buddy. Um, if you ever need anything, we are, you know, the entire Canes family is here for you. But uh, go stay safe. And then when the lights turn back on, go get after it. And wait. Thank you. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Big shout out to Bilal for joining us. Please give him a follow on all social media channels at Sweet underscore in underscore Lau L-O-W-E five sweet and Lau five if you enjoyed this episode like comment subscribe review and share give us a follow on social media at Canecast show you can reach me directly on all social media channels at Rob Younce or email me directly at Rob Younce at gmail.com I welcome your feedback as I look to improve this show every single time. Stay safe. Wash.